Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. Today we're doing what we do and we're moving on to the next passage here in Genesis chapter 30. And, uh, and so we've just seen, um, we saw last week where, where Jacob, now his family's kind of getting built up. He's got all these kids now. And, uh, and we come to uh, this, this next passage today. And today we're going to do one of the things I like to do when we're going through narrative parts of scripture, like what we're going through in Genesis, is like it'll talk, like a a subject, a topic will come up in the story. And what I want us to do is take that subject and topic and kind of unpack it a little bit further from what we see in scripture, okay? So if you're, if as I'm going through Genesis, you're like, well, wait, how did we get over here on this um, that's usually how we got over here on this is the, the topic came up in it. And, and to really unpack it, we want to go see what the Bible says about it in different places, right? Um, so that's kind of why, why we do that. But yeah, one of the main topics that I see coming out of today's passage is around the topic and the issue of work um, and employment and jobs and that kind of thing. And so I want us to really take a dive today into that topic and what that topic looks like. Okay, Uh, from a scriptural perspective. Let's start out. Let's jump into Genesis chapter 30. I'm starting in verse 25. And it says this. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you that I may go. For you have the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. And so Laban is saying, hey, um, yeah, that's all great, Jacob, son-in-law, Jacob. uh, Yeah, but here's the deal. One thing I've, I've really noticed is my life is going a lot better and things are going a lot better for me because of you. And because of what God is doing in and through you. And so I, I don't really want to see you go just yet. Um, because this is really working out well for me. Is what Laban is saying here. And I want to challenge us that as Christians, as Christ followers, when it comes to our work, when it comes to our employment, when it comes to to who we work with, whether we are the employee or the employer, either way, this is equally true, that those we work with should see that they benefit from working with us because of Christ in us. Christ in us should affect our lives to a point where whatever we're doing, whatever work we're in, those around us should say, man, I'm better off because they're they're here with me. I'm better off because they're on the team. Because they're on the team, things are working better. They're going better. And you know what? They also talk about this Jesus stuff. I wonder if there's a connection there. And so Laban is identifying this already. He's seen, you know, he's had, what is it, 14 years at this point of like, hey, things are going really well over these 14 years. And it's obviously because God is blessing through this Jacob guy. 
I don't want to see him go. I don't want to see him leave. I want to see this blessing continue. I want to see this blessing keep happening. I want to see this continue to happen. And so I don't, I don't want him to go. And so, so he's like, hey, here's, here's what we need to do. I, I want you to stay. Um, and, he, and it goes into this part next. Genesis chapter 30, verse 28. Name your wages and I will give it. And Jacob said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now when shall I provide for my own household also? And he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. He's like, I'm going to keep working for you if you'll do this. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later. When you come to look into my wages with you, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. And Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. All right. So they come up with this deal. Jacob's going to keep taking care of the flocks. And through that, Laban says like, okay, well, that's really how I've been blessed is you do a good job of that and you work hard and, and you've proven yourself and, and the flocks do really well under you. And, and, and so Jacob says, but here's all I want. I just, I just want the ugly ones. I want the, the, the ones that are spotted, the ones that are striped, the ones that, are, that have blemishes, the ones that are kind of messed up. Um, you give me that part and you keep the good ones, right? So this sounds, sounds really good uh, to Laban. It's like, hmm, well, well yeah, that's, that's a good deal. Um, I'll, I'll do that. And what we see here is something that we should also take and apply to our lives as well. And that's the fact that clear terms of employment are great for everyone. Going into this agreement, they've laid out like, here's exactly what needs, here's how it's going to work. You get, you get these, I get these, and that's how we're going to work. That's how this thing is going to work out, right? Um, so we, from the front side, we say, this is exactly how we want it to work. And this is something that, that we should apply to our lives as well. Whether we're an employer or an employee, we should expect to have these kind of clear terms of employment, right? So you have a, a wage that's agreed upon. Uh, you have uh, times that are agreed upon. Uh, you have vacation policies that, are, policies that are agreed upon. You have all of these things that are agreed upon up front where you're like, yeah, this is the way it's going to work. And then both sides benefit from that. And so now at this point, I want us to stop and kind of unpack a biblical perspective of work and, what the, and how these things will guide us and what those terms of employment should look like and how we should work within them. All right, so I'm going to give you a couple of principles I see in Scripture specifically relating to work. All right, number one, we are made to work. All right? We are created to work. We are designed to work. When God put us together, he put together something that's made to do work. Whatever that is for you, whatever work means for you, you were made for that, okay? We see this uh, as early as Genesis, Genesis 2.15, when God, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, 
Work it and keep it. So this is before sin came in, before sin messed everything up, before sin made work so hard. It's part of God's good design is for us to work. And even with woman, she, was, she came in with the man for as what? As a helper for him, to do the work with him, for them to work alongside each other, for them to, to co-labor together. And so we, we, have to, we have to deal with the fact that work is a good thing, okay? Now, some of you are like, well, I'm out, okay, that, that's, that's enough, um, right? But no, work is a good thing. We're designed for it, and we should do it, whatever that looks like, whatever area of your life that means for you. Like whatever form your work takes on, it's something that you need in your life and you need that to be a part of your life. But also within that, there's boundaries that God has given us. Okay. Let's look over at Exodus chapter 20. This is in the 10 commandments. It says this, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord, your God. On it, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is with in your gates. For six days, the Lord um, made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay. Now, we don't hold to a strict like Sabbath, seventh day, exactly the way this was for them in that, that culture at that time. Um, specifically, for several reasons for that. One, uh, we made, kind of as Christians, we made Sunday the Lord's Day because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So that's the day that we choose to like, hey, this is our day as Christians. And Christians have kind of had that day from, well, since Jesus rose from the dead. Um, and so we, we've kind of made it our day. Um, but with that, we also don't want to be legalistic about like, you know, like the Pharisees had gotten to at Jesus's time of like, oh, I saw you, you picked a head of grain off over there on, on the Sabbath. So, you know, that's, that's sin, you're wrong, whatever you're working. Right. Um, Jesus dealt pretty clearly with that kind of hypocrisy and level of, of legalism. Okay. So that's not what we're wanting to go into, but equally it is still true and still the fact today that we need rest. God designed us to work and he also commanded us to rest. All right? And and what I find for most of us, we have an imbalance with these two things on one side or the other. Either we are are prone to, yeah, I like that rest part. I, I got that part down. Don't worry about that, Wayne. I'll cover your part of that too. Um, I'm good at the rest. I don't know. I don't really like the work, right? Or we're, we're workaholics and we're like, yeah, work, work, work all the time, 24-7. This also on my brain. It's just work, work, work. I'm going to do something else with work and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, I'm gonna do this. and we run ourselves crazy and we wear ourselves down because we're not getting that, that rest that we need to have that healthy balance in our life. And so when, when we have this mismatch in our lives, things are mismatched. You get unbalanced. I really wonder as, as a culture, as a society, and even as just our personal lives, if we found a good balance with these two things, 
how much of our health issues, especially maybe mental health issues, get resolved because we find this healthy balance of what God created and designed us to be? How much does it help if we just maybe go to work? Whatever that looks like for you. But how much equally does it help in your ability to work when you have healthy boundaries that say, yes, but this is when I rest. And now, yes, I fully believe that rest can look like different things for different people. It's those things that that recharge you, those things where you take a break, um, those things where you're not doing your job, you're not focused on your occupation, okay? And so maybe rest for you looks like work for someone else. I'll tell you, part part of rest for me is totally work for other people. Part of rest for me is I have a little square in my backyard, that's my garden, and going and having plants and playing in the dirt is rest for me. It recharges me, it energizes me, especially when like as a pastor you deal with people and nasty situations and ugly stuff. My plants never talk back to me. They just, they just grow, they do their thing, you know, like if I see a problem with it, I, I try to help them out, you know, like it's, it's a great situation, low drama, right? And so for me, that's restful. For me, that's, that's rejuvenating. There's other things that I find rest in that other people would find draining, right? Um, like on, on Friday day, I sp- spent my whole day working in the yard, um, partly because our yard really needed it, but also because I was like, this is, this is good for me. This is good. This is energizing for me. This is, this is like restful for me. The Pharisee would be standing there saying like, no, you're working, right? But for me, that's restful. That's helpful. And so I don't know, and, I, and I'm, I'm being completely honest and transparent with you guys here. I don't have this perfect balance figured out, Okay. If you think I'm saying like, hey, look at me, I've got all the answers on how to have a perfect work, rest, balanced relationship, I'm telling you, don't model my life, okay? Because I'm definitely prone to the focus on the work side of it, okay? Um, So I have to make myself focus on the rest side of it and what that looks like, all right? Um, But I don't know what it is for you or where you might struggle with that, but I do know from Scripture that these things are true, One, we're created to work. Two, we're commanded to rest. And even in that, we need to, number three, follow God's example. We need to follow God's example. We just saw there in Exodus the basis for which in the Ten Commandments it gives that that point is the fact this is what God did. God worked for six days and he created everything. And then on the seventh day, he rested, right? Right? And uh, in Psalms, uh, David praises God for his works. And this is something that we should model and follow as well. In Psalm 139, David says this, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God is still at work. God is working 
Yes, he works to make us. He, met, he works to form us. Also, we, as, as Christ followers, our, our hope and our peace is found in the fact of the work of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus came and he lived a sinless life, died on a cross, paying the punishment for sin, went to the tomb and rose again three days later. That was his work. And God the Father said, well done, payment received. You have done your job. And it's because of that we can have faith in him. Because of that, we can have hope for our future. Because of the work of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, we need to follow God's example in work. Both in doing work and in resting. Moving on. Number four, we should work as if working for the Lord. We should work as if working for the Lord. Let's look at Colossians 3.17. It says this, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever you do, word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when you work, work in the name of the Lord Jesus. When you rest, rest in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving him the credit, him the glory, him the honor. And so as, as you, you do that, it's going to go back to that first thing we talked about. If I'm working as if working for the Lord Jesus, then my coworkers, my boss, my employees under me are going to see that. It's going to change the way that I interact with them. It's going to change the way that I treat them. It's going to change the way that I go about my work if I'm doing it as if doing it for the Lord Jesus. You're like, well, Wayne, maybe you're taking that verse a little out of context or, or whatever. I need to do a little deeper dig on that. Okay, let's do that. Let's skip, skip down a couple of verses to the conclusion that, that Paul goes to here. Now, if we can just preface this as when it says bondservant, let's just in our minds, in our culture, let's just fill in employee. And when it says master, let's just fill in employer. Okay, like there's a whole big thing we could unpack relating to all of this and relating to this verse. But if we can just in our minds do that for the purpose of today, then I think we'll be okay. Bond servants, employees, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, employers. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fear in the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, employers, treat your bondservants, employees, justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So Paul is saying, hey, Christians, the Jesus thing specifically applies to your work. It specifically applies because we are to work as if we're working for him. So what does that mean? For me, there's, there's two applications out of that. One, if I'm working as if I'm working for Jesus, one, that means first that my work is going to be something that is not contrary and contradictory to his work of building the kingdom of, of God. Okay? So 
if my work is in an area which is contrary to God or is in an area that is, is relating to sin, then yes, following Jesus probably also means an occupation change. Okay? Um, but secondly, and probably more importantly, is if, if I am working as if I am working for the Lord, then that means that I'm going to work with excellence. I'm going to give him my best. If I'm doing this for Jesus, I mean, he died on a cross for me. He rose from the dead for me. He came, he came from his, his throne in heaven to come become one of us for me. And so my response to him is, yeah, I want to give you my best. I want to give you my all. I don't want to just punch the clock. I, just want to, I don't want to just see what I can get out of it. No, I want to work hard. I want to work well. I want to work in a way that brings you glory in a way that praises you. And so if, if we have that mindset and we have that attitude then, and, and we take that to our work, then man, what employer is not going to want you on their team? Right? What employer is not going to, or what employee is not going to be on your team if you're the employer? Like, man, they do everything. They treat me as an employee with excellence. They do their best for me. They, they serve me. What a great place to work. What a great opportunity. What a great situation to be in. And so I think if we have those four things um, that we're reminded that we're made to work, we're commanded to rest, and we need to follow God's example in work, and we should work as if working for the Lord, I think if those four principles are kind of guiding us in this area, that'll go a long way. I do want to address one other uh, issue that has come up in church history and still comes up today. Um, and so a situation arose in the early church, especially in Thessalonica, where, you know, the early church, they, they were taking everything they had. They were holding it in common, sharing with one another, meeting any needs that they, they had, something that we, we still try to do. If anybody has a need in the church, we try to help meet that need and help take care of them and that kind of thing, right? Um, and they also were told like, hey, Jesus is coming back, right? Like, so any day now Jesus could come back. And they're like, yeah, that's what we're looking forward to. That's what our hope's in, which equally today we're saying, yeah, Jesus is coming back. We're looking forward to that. That's what my hope is in. Jesus is coming back. Can't wait for him to come back. And so they, they had these two things and they had a problem that came up of people saying, you know, you know, I'm really excited about Jesus coming back. And it's really nice just to have other people take care of me. So I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. Wait on Jesus. This is like the spiritual way, right? Like this is the holy thing. To which Paul wrote them. And he's like, nope, not good. He said, now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that you might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have the right, but, but to give you in ourselves as an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Don't work, don't eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies, 
Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So once again, we're created for work, but also Paul says, Christian, you better be doing it. Pull your weight. Don't just live off of others. Do what you need to do um, to be a part and to contribute. And now, that can be kind of tough for us. Also, um, equally, I, I don't think Paul is, is talking about situations of people who are physically unable, okay? Like, I don't, I don't think that's included in here, right? Like, that's included in, in the group of, yeah, as Christians, we take care of each other, right? So if, if there's a legitimate reason um, that, you know, there's health problems or something else that, that would prevent us from being able to work or, or whatever, that's, that's a different thing, okay? That's a different thing we're talking about. Uh, but it does come into play that, that whatever your situation is, don't hear me judging you, but hear me encouraging you. That whatever your health situation is, whatever it is, you still are somebody that was created to work in some way. What that looks like can vary, okay? And whether that, that's work that has an income can vary, okay? We have, we have um, several uh, people in our church who, who kind of are in the, these kind of situations. And let me tell you, I see them as very hard workers, because I see them always, whenever their health is, per, is letting them, they're wanting to serve, they're wanting to help, they're wanting to work in some way around the church, around other things in the community. Whenever their body is up to it, they're, they're trying to, to fulfill this, okay? So if that's one of you, don't hear me judging you, hear, hear me encouraging you, okay, to keep it up, all right? But you do need to have that aspect of work in your life in some way, um, and I think it will help you in that. Um, if, you know, if, if we're just stepping on toes, I'll, I'll just go a step further. Um, I also don't see anywhere in scripture where it puts an age limit on work. I don't see anywhere in scripture where it says, when you reach this age, then no longer does this apply to you, Right? And so I want to encourage some of you in our church who are blessed with the opportunity of the fact um, that you no longer have to work in the sense of to put food on the table. Um, you're at a stage in your life where your work doesn't require, isn't required for that, that bread to be there. Let me encourage you with this. You still are created to work. You're still designed to work. You just are completely blessed right now with the freedom to choose exactly what that work is and what that looks like and how you can bring glory to Jesus with that, right? And I'll tell you, as a church, we all benefit from, from people that have that mindset. There's one in this room that I will not name because they don't want any attention themselves, but I find them all the time up here around the church just doing things that need to be done. And they usually try to come when they think nobody's going to be here because they don't want any attention. They don't want any credit. But because of that, we don't have to worry about the weeds outside. They're taken care of. Because of that, the rose bush gets hacked down. That thing grows like crazy. 
it has no water. I don't know, I don't know what, whatever that thing is, it likes that spot. Um, but yeah, that, that thing gets hacked down. Our kid's playground, the weeds get pulled out of it. All kinds of little things like that, things that probably I don't even notice, happen. Because this person has a mindset to work and a mindset to help, and they just want to serve. And I want to encourage you that, that if you're in that place in your life where you kind of have that, that freedom of your time, that freedom of your schedule um, to work as you see fit, that's a blessing. And use that blessing in a good way. All right? And so, all right, I'll, I'll try to stop stepping on toes now. Um, let's go back to Genesis chapter 30. Let's wrap this up. Um, so they've got their, their clear terms of their employment. They, they're like, this is the way this agreement is going to work. And, uh, and then in verse 34, Laban said, good, let it be as you said. So he's agreed. This is what they've agreed to. Then the very next verse, these two go back to their con men ways. They go back to working, <laughs> working to get their own and get their best, right? But that day, Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them in charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then, then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. And he set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks uh, in the troughs, that is the watering places, and where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks. And so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks towards the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. And whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks and female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. All right. Now, there's a lot in here. First off, Laban's like, okay, this is a good deal. I'm going to separate out any of them that have the genetics that would produce what comes to you. So I'm going to, I'm going to rid the herd of any genetics that would promote what you get, Right? That's basically what he does. He doesn't know about genetics, but that's what he does. Why? Because he's a man who has ri- he's raised sheep and goats. He knows how this works, right? You have a spotted one. What kind of babies does it have? Spotted ones, right? Um, I raised sheep and goats when I was younger, and this is how it works. Spotted ones have spotted ones. Striped ones have striped ones. Solid ones have solid ones. Uh, you can put... Uh, a solid black with a solid white, and you get a spotted one. Um, And so Laban's doing everything he can to keep that from happening from the front end, okay? So then Jacob comes up with this thing that I will, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you from experience and from what probably every geneticist in the world would say, Uh, it doesn't matter what a sheep is looking at when it's procreating um, as to what the baby's going to come out like, okay? But for some reason for Jacob, this is what he does. 
And scripture records it as if it worked, um, which the only way that I can understand that is there is somebody who's more powerful than genetics. And that would be God. And so, yeah, Jacob's doing his thing. He's doing his work and he's like, ooh, nice sheep spots in front of you. Ooh, dumb sheep, no spots for you, right? Um, And he's doing this whole scheming thing. But really in the end, the only way that it makes sense is look what God did. God, God blessed Jacob. Even though the flock was stacked against him, but even though Laban had called out all the genetics that would lead uh, to animals that would be his, God blessed him. And in the end, he has massive flocks. He has massive herds. He has all of these, these things. And really, the only way I can understand that out of this passage is the fact that God did it. And so... We should know and we should apply this to our work as well, that God gets the glory for the results of our work. God gets the glory for the results of our work. You say, well, wait a second, Wayne, I'm the one that did that. I put in those hours. I came up with that concept. I, I built that thing. I, I, I'm the one that did all of those sales calls. I'm the one that fixed that. I'm the one that, Yeah. But why are you able to do that? Who gave you your body? Who knit that body together? Who gave you your brain that you're using to do that? Who gave you and sustains your health that allows you to do that? Who put the situations in place to put you in the circumstance to be able to do whatever it is? God did. And in him, we get to give him the glory in our work. And then that really changes things because no longer is it about me. No longer is it about what I get out of it, but it's about, I give you the glory. You get the credit for great things you have done. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do give you all glory and honor. You are good. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's so practical. We thank you that that it speaks into our lives, even in this area relating to work and and rest. And and Lord, I pray that you do give us all a healthy view and a healthy balance of this in our life. Where yes, we we do learn to work and and work well and work in a way that, that as if we're working for you. But equally, we learn to find that balance of rest and setting aside time where we, we carve it out and we say, yes, I protect this time. This is time for rest, for, for my body to recover, for my, my soul to commune with you in whatever I'm doing. And so, Lord, I, I ask you um, to guide us in that and bless each of us in that. For, Lord, for anyone here who's joining us online who doesn't know the ultimate rest and the ultimate peace of, of Jesus and being in you, Lord, I pray that today they might come to faith in you and know the goodness of your work. And God, I just thank you for who you are and for all that you do for us. And I lift all this up in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. 
If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. Thank you.